Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. On this podcast, you'll hear from Trevor Oldham, the founder of Podcasting You and host of the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. Trevor has been running Podcasting You, a podcasting booking agency that helps real estate investors guest on podcasts. And after working with hundreds of real estate clients, he shares tips and tricks along with insights from his guests for how to start investing in real estate, grow your real estate business, and how to build credibility and become a go-to expert. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Exposure. Today on the show, I have Michael Mike Morawski. He's a 30-year real estate investment veteran. He has controlled over $285 million in real estate transactions. He's also an entrepreneur, author, real estate trainer, public speaker, and personal coach with a strong personal resilience and deep desire to help others live an extraordinary life. He has also coached hundreds of real estate investors to fulfill their dreams. Mike, excited to have you on the show today. Hey, Trevor, I'm excited to be here. Thanks. I appreciate it. Most certainly. And for our audience, Mike, that is new to the show or new to yourself, and they want to know a little bit about you, do you mind just diving into your background in real estate and how you got started? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in real estate for about 30 years, and I love it. And people always ask me, you know, hey, how come... Uh, how come you like real estate so much? And I, I say, because I think there's always something I can learn. I can always learn something new from somebody else. And I don't have all the answers. And that's what I like about real estate and more specifically the multifamily space. But how I got started was I was in the general contracting business and um, woke up one morning and I was just burned out. I couldn't do it anymore. I looked at my wife at the time and I said, I can't do this anymore. And I was still banging nails and I decided to sell the company, took a year off, and her and I uh, did a couple of house hacks. And this was long before it was a sexy thing to do, Trevor, right? Mm -hmm. so, but I believe success leaves clues. And so along the way, I met a real estate agent who was extremely successful, and I really liked what he did. So I went to him and I said, hey, Todd, I, I'm thinking about getting involved in real estate. And he, he encouraged me. He said, I think you'd be really good at it. So I decided to move forward. I went to him and I said, would you teach me what I need to know? And could I shadow you and your team? And he said, no, I'm not going to let you do that. I'm going to do one better for you. He goes, I'll make you a cassette tape. Now, Trevor, I'm dating myself, right? Because <laughs> I don't think you can find anything to make a cassette tape on today. But he made a tape. I listened to that over and over and over again. And like I said, success leaves clues. I followed those fundamentals. I uh, mastered the repetitious boredom. And I went out my first nine months in the real estate business. I sold 78 houses, all for sale by owners, uh, just following some simple processes. And uh, after that, I went on, I built a team selling 125 homes a year and did that for about eight years consecutively. 2005, I saw the market starting to shift and I knew things were going to change and that I would have to go do something different if I wanted to keep the lifestyle and the production up. So I decided to go in the apartment business. Like I said, success leaves clues. And I didn't just wake up one morning, decide to go in the apartment business, but I had studied the syndication model. So I did some work when I was in the construction business for uh, one of a, a large syndicator in Chicago, who today they happen to be the largest REIT, a real estate investment trust in the world. 
They're in 80 countries. They're in every asset class. But they started out with one small four-unit multifamily building and built this massive company. But I understood, Trevor, that you raise private equity. You marry it with a great real estate deal. You stay in the middle. And as long as everything goes well, everybody's happy and makes money. So in 2005, I syndicated my first deal. I went into the apartment business. I raised $18 million in 30 months. I bought $60 million worth of real estate. It was 4,000 apartments in five different markets and went on to build a property management company managing 7,500 units. Fast forward, today I'm in the coaching and training space trying to give back and teach people how to do that. There's a lot to unpack there, but I want to ask, where did the gap, I feel as though, coming from you had the 4,000 units and then now you're coaching and training. I'd love for you just to walk us through what happened during that middle part of the story. Big question there. Great question. 2008 came around. It was like a freight train hitting a, a wall. Remember, I started this thing in 2005. So during that 30 months, I brought on 4,000 assets. I grew a company very fast, very unstable. I made some mistakes along the way, and those mistakes were I grew too fast. I was very unstable. I was over leveraged. I paid too much for property, and I didn't listen to people around me or pay attention to the details around me, things that were going on. 2008 came around. You know, we hit the worst economic crisis the world's ever seen. Um, I'm sitting at lunch one day with my CFO and the news happened to be on and we're watching them carry boxes out of Lehman Brothers by the dozens. And I looked across the table and I said, we're screwed, aren't we? He said, yeah, we're in big trouble. And it wasn't but 18 months later that we came off the rails completely. Our company imploded. I wound up trying to save the company. And, you know, I was never one to fly private. I didn't, we never had that kind of money. I, I didn't fly private. I didn't have a boat. I didn't buy big houses or fancy cars. I tried to build a company. You know, I was a guy, I was home most nights for dinner and I was the neighborhood baseball coach and soccer coach. And I started to move money between companies. So at 38 different companies, some were very profitable, some were not so profitable. Those profitable companies I took cash flow from and put to non-profitable companies, which isn't illegal. I actually went to my accountant and attorney, and they both said, you can do it. Just leave notes behind. And when the market changes, put it back. Well, I'd been involved in recessions in the past. Usually a recession, there's a 10% correction last 17 or 18 months. This thing was a 40% correction lasted seven or eight years. People are still recovering from it today. Um, my problem was I didn't tell my investors what I was doing. And because of non-disclosure, I was charged with wire fraud and mail fraud charges and sentenced to 10 years in federal prison. So uh, because of us imploding and the company unwinding, um, all those assets and that went to a receiver and a receiver uh, managed uh, the rest of those assets for the next several years, unwinding them and, taking care of, of the assets and the investors. Even within that story, there's a lot to, a lot even more, <laughs> a lot even more to, to unpack. And, and I could see how it's at the time, I feel as though it probably was an honest mistake that you hadn't even known that you were committing these, I don't want to say crimes, but in SEC terms, fraud, as I know, I've heard of a couple other investors make a small mistake and have the SEC breathing down their neck. In this case scenario, what was that experience like when you had the company in 2008, 
2009 comes and it's going down and then now all of a sudden you get hit with these wire fraud and bank fraud charges what was what was just the mindset and how did you overcome that did you end up going to i know you mentioned that you were sentenced to 10 years did you have to serve all those 10 years and just what was that experience like because i can't even imagine yeah well i would never wish it on anybody it becomes your deepest darkest nightmare prison is not the greatest place in the world it's dark it's evil um there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on there's a saying in prison though that says you can either do the time or let the time do you and it's a choice that you make uh, i'm in prison about uh, 17 days thinking that you know this is the worst it can get my life is over what am i going to do and at that point my wife tells me she's going to divorce me and move on and it wrecked me it absolutely ruined me and I walked around not knowing if anything mattered anymore. How did I wind up like this? You know, you go from from living this middle-class lifestyle of, like I said, being home most nights for dinner, being a neighborhood baseball and soccer coach, having a date night with your wife, having a great marriage, to all of a sudden you're living in a 12 by 12 room with three men you don't know, living out of a two by five locker and got three green outfits and five pairs of underpants wondering what the hell happened to your life. And so I think, thank the Lord that there were some guys around me that, that really cared and that mattered and knew I mattered and um, were able to instill some hope in me. I walked in the gym one day, I was in about six weeks, and this guy walks up to me and he goes, hey, he goes, cut it out. He goes, don't let these people beat you. All they want to do is take everything from you. And you know what? They can take your apartments. They can take your real estate. They can take your money. They can destroy your family. But what they can't take is what's inside. They can't take who you are, what you're made of. They can't take your uh, knowledge. He goes, get that 10 years back. He goes, look, come in this gym every day. Start working out. Take my class. Lose some weight. You'll start feeling better. At this point, I was probably 35 pounds overweight. Best advice I've ever gotten in my life. I started going to this guy's class every day. I hated every minute of it, but I, but I know self-discipline and I know success leaves clues, right? So I did that every day and I kept doing it. Started losing weight, started feeling better, decided to go to school. I went and found a scholarship, went to uh, Christian Bible school, and I got a bachelor's degree in theology. I wrote two books while I was gone, two home study courses. Uh, actually, one is called Exit Plan, Your Complete Guide to Multifamily Investing and Why You Need an Exit Plan Before You Buy. And I would absolutely love to give a copy to your listeners at the end of the shows. Another one was on property management. I, I taught real estate investing and property management in prison for five years. I wrote an ethics course. I taught ethics. How ironic, a federal inmate teaching ethics, right? Um, I taught Bible study. I went on to be on an outreach program because of, you know, being a good inmate. And I, I got to go into the community and tell my story to local businesses and small and, and the colleges in the area. I, I met a professor from the University of Minnesota, and we uh, co-authored a paper together that this year we had published in the Business Journal of Ethics. And it gets taught at the college level um, for in for forensic accounting and sales and marketing classes. So, you know, and the list goes on. I did a number of other things as well. Um, so I really made a choice to do the time. I came home in better shape spiritually, physically, mentally, and emotionally than I'd ever been. 
And today I work on that redemption piece. I want to carry a message to your listeners, to other people I tell my story to, of hope and inspiration. Hey, you know what? We all make mistakes. We all can stumble, stub our toe, get hurt. But the the difference is, what do you do when that happens? Do you lay there or do you get up again? And um, I think we all have to make those choices. And they're not easy choices. They can be tough. But if we make that choice to get up and move forward, we can do a lot of things for not only ourselves, but the people around us. It's absolutely fascinating. And now I want to hop into the piece that, you know, we, I feel we've talked about before when you were successful with your business and then that, you know, the really hard part in the middle. And then now let's say that you've been released and now you're doing the coaching and training program. Was that just from the things that you were able to build? while you're serving your time that once you're released, you're able to go out there and find, you know, students and, and, and do your coaching. How did that all come about? Yeah. Well, you know, I taught for five years while I was in prison and um, actually some of the guys I taught, I've heard from since I've been home and they've gone home and they they're doing real estate and they're being successful at it. But I knew when I was in prison that, that I would have to re-engineer myself that I would come home and, and I had, you know, I had 30 years of knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. And not only knowledge, but wisdom. Um, and I wanted to give that away. I wanted to give that to people and help people be successful and do, do a lot more, right? So, uh, that's what, that's what my purpose is today is to give back, give back to people, uh, helping them. Uh, hey, listen, I'll just tell a quick story. I have a, uh, I got a real estate, a client I'm coaching right now. He is a developer out of Omaha, never been in the multifamily space, wanted to do some multifamily, few coaching calls. And he went out and wrote his first offer on a 638 unit apartment complex. You know, um, you know, a lot of courage, but, you know, just took some knowledge and, and moved forward and did what he did in a very short period of time. And I say that because, um, you know what? Anybody can do it. You can learn the techniques. You can learn the fundamentals and move forward and build your business. Coaching and training is very important. I think that you have to have somebody in your life who's going to give you guidance, help you execute, and then hold you accountable. And let's say someone is interested in investing in real estate and they haven't done it before. What do you think the number one thing holds people back from becoming a successful investor? Fear. Um, I think fear holds us all back at times in our lives. You know, think about yourself. I mean, you're probably at a place because you walk through some fear at some point, right? Hey, I'll never forget the first podcast I did. I was like, oh my gosh. And I always thought it was just, hey, grab a microphone and start doing it, right? And But that's not how it was. And so you got to walk through that fear. And you first have to take the education. And I think a lot of people say that, hey, education is power, but it's only the potential for power. The power comes in the execution. You have to execute. And then you can either execute well or not so well, right? But I think fear is what holds us back mostly. That's excellent. And now I want to hop into when you talk about the different asset classes in real estate. And obviously, there's quite a bit. Why did you decide to focus on multifamily? What brought you to that more than, say, fix and flip or mobile home park or, or even self-storage or, you know, the number of, of ways you can make money in real estate? Yeah, so there are a lot of asset classes, right? And I've done a ton of fix and flip on the residential side. You know, at one point, I owned 140 single-family houses. So, you know, I've, I've done a lot with, with real estate over the years. Um, 
but when you look at multifamily, just inside the multifamily bucket, there's a number of asset classes, mm. senior housing, student living, uh, student housing, medical housing, you know, short-term nurse housing, Airbnb, ADUs. I mean, the list goes on. And you know what? I like self-storage. Self-storage is a business that you never get a call about a plugged up toilet or a furnace that went out, right? You never uh, get that. And if somebody doesn't pay rent, you call them once. If they don't pay, you put a lock on their thing. If you call them again, if they don't pay, you sell it. It's easy. It's simple. It's a clean business. But I like multifamily and I like market rate multifamily. I like providing um, something for people. And, and my mission in the multifamily space has always been to provide safe and secure housing for single parents. Here's why. Because I don't care if you're a woman or a man. But, and you're, you're single, but you have a kid living with you, a child living with you, um, that child might be coming home from school on their own. And I know I, I have some kids myself, right? But that child may be coming home from school on their own, and I want them to come home to a safe and secure place. I don't want their parents to have to worry that while they're at work that something could be happening to their child or that they're not getting home in time or safe. So I always provided that safe and secure housing, but I like market rate rent because I like the style. I like the format. I like what it offers people. But what I really like about it is it's a business and I can walk away from closing and I'm earning an income immediately as soon as I walk away from closing. And there's so much I can do to re-engineer it to make it better than what it is when I bought it. For the multifamily properties that you're buying, are you staying within your local area? Are you buying all over the country? Do you mind just walking our audience through sort of that investment strategy that you have? Yeah, so that's an interesting question, right? So the first deal I bought was an 11 unit in my market in Chicago. And I learned very quickly I wasn't going to make any money in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Now, remember, this is 10 years ago. And so I called my broker, said, hey, we're not going to make any money here. We have to figure this out. We wrote a buying strategy. Buying strategy consisted of what markets and what markets looked appealing. I went into the Ohio Valley, bought 1,800 units between Indy and Cincinnati. Went on to northern Alabama, bought several hundred units there, but had a very large footprint in the Dallas-Fort Worth market. So I was in five markets. I always I say in my book, actually, that, hey, I bought my first 11 units in Chicago, but went on to build a 4,000 unit portfolio from the coach seat of an airplane because, you know, I traveled a lot and just went and looked at properties and, and bought assets and built relationships with people. So it's a relationship business, Trevor. It, it comes down to who you know. So the similar thing today is, and I'm underwriting deals like crazy today. We're looking to buy deals and, and get involved, get, get back in the game, so to say. Uh, we're underwriting deals today and I'm underwriting stuff in Chicago and it doesn't make sense. Hey, I'm looking at this market right now saying there are a lot of shades right now of 2006, 2007, you know, pull back the Chicago market. You know, I, there's some uncertainty here for me. So I'm, I'm looking in, in high rank growth markets like, like Tampa, like Dallas, you know, Texas markets again. And for these markets that you're investing out of state, how do you set up your team, you know, the property management team, the, the people that are going to be boots on the ground to ensure that everything runs smoothly while you're, let's say, a couple thousand miles away from it? 
Yeah, geez, Trevor, team building is really important, right? You have to have people in your life that you trust. You know what? You have to dedicate time to those relationships. You know, it's easy today with Zoom, right? You can make a few phone calls. You can get on the phone with a contractor. You can get on the phone with a broker. You can get on the phone with a lender and, and Zoom. And you can kind of tell, you know, you get that body language piece from people over on, you know, on, that, on Zoom or on a meeting type situation. But you got to build relationships. It's about, you know, letting people know who you are, have a vision for your future, for your company. Um, help, you you got to get your team to buy into your vision. You have to get your team to buy into your goal. Hey, look, if my goal is to have 500 units under management by the end of the year, well, I have to, I have to get the people around me to buy into that goal. Because that's going to help me to source those deals. That's going to help me to underwrite those deals. It's going to help me to negotiate those deals at a, at a better rate. And it's going to help me to, you know, it, it helps me and my team, but it helps the people around us too. So I, I'm all about win-win. That's perfect. And I can definitely say, looking at the markets, like I know where I am in, in Massachusetts and, and wanting to go out there and buy my first property, there's properties out there for sale. And I, my goal would be a house hack, but even looking at these properties, if I were to rent them out at the market rents, wouldn't even be enough to cover the mortgage every month. And it's just crazy to me that people are buying these properties. And then I'm just using simple numbers. I haven't even dug into the property and I'm just looking market rates and, and what the seller is asking for. So it's crazy that uh, people are paying some of these prices. And I was very young back in 2007 and, and 2008. So I don't remember the crisis as much, but for someone like yourself, who's live through it, do you see any shades of what's going on in some of these markets around the country with prices increasing just so much where I feel like one, they they can't even in keep up with people's income. And then two, just being so expensive that like an investor like myself, it just wouldn't even make sense to purchase because I'm not buying an investment property where I have to pay $300 a month just to hold it or take a $300 net loss every month. Yeah. I do see a lot of shades of what what's happened in the past happening again now. I think the market's moving really fast. Cap rates are really compressed. You've got people that aren't paying attention to underwriting metrics. They're over analyzing deals. And I think that there's an impending crash coming. I pay a lot of attention to some of the economists and I'm not an economist, but I like to listen because I think it gives us a shape of what's going on or what's to come. But when I listen to some of these economists talk about the number of foreclosures that are sitting in the banks right now, I heard somebody say the other day there's 10 million pending foreclosures that as soon as the government releases the foreclosure forbearance, foreclosure moratorium, they're going to start to hit the banks. I heard somebody say that by the third quarter of 2023, there'll be an onslaught of properties again to buy. We have to be careful. We have to watch, right? And just tread cautiously, underwrite conservatively. Don't be over aggressive. Watch your rent growth. You know, I think that's one of the biggest metrics. And that rent growth piece is like, here's an example, right? Nationally, they say rent growth right now is about 3.9%. Okay, nationally. In Florida, the rent growth is about 7%. So does that mean that I should... You show my rent growth on my property at valuation at 7%? No, not necessarily. What I think it means is that I should underwrite conservatively. So if I look at 5%, that's a pretty good rent growth rate, right? In comparison to Chicago, 
Chicago's rent growth rate is 1.75. So why would I want to be here if I'm not going to get the rent growth that I can go get in a Florida or a Ohio or an Indianapolis or, or another market that might make a little bit more sense? So just be conservative, pay attention, look around you, think things through, I think is the big thing that, that people don't do. And because we get so busy, right? That's what, one of the things I like to work with people on is, is coaching them through. I think that's an, that's an excellent point, but I want to be respectful of your time. And I just had a couple of additional questions I wanted to ask you before we end our time together today. And one first question I wanted to ask you is, do you happen to have a favorite business or real estate investing book that you'd recommend for our audience to check out? Other than mine? Yeah, other than yours. <laughs> yes, I think one of the greatest books I've ever read uh, is The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. It's written by Gary Keller. I honestly, I, I continue to go back and refer to that book because I think it teaches some sound fundamental principles of uh, how to scale your real estate investing business. And even though it's mostly talks about residential, it can be used in every asset class. I, I actually think it's a, you know, um, a, a Bible of the industry. So. And Mike, last question, where can our audience find you? And, and feel free to share where they can find the book that you had mentioned earlier in our conversation. Sure. Thanks, Trevor. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, they can find me at my website at mycoreintentions.com. You can download a free copy of my book, Exit Plan, Your Complete Guide to Multifamily Investing and Why You Need an Exit Plan Before You Buy at mycoreintentions.com forward slash exit plan. You can reach me directly. I am open to networking and conversations. Call me, reach out. I'm Mike at mycoreintentions.com. And I'm all over social media. So connect with me, like me, love me, follow me, subscribe to me, please. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, LinkedIn and Instagram specifically. So I have a YouTube channel out there. You can subscribe to that. Um, on my website, you can find, you know, a couple of different uh podcasts that I do. And uh, so I'm pretty accessible. And Trevor, the other thing is that in the next couple of weeks, I will be having a, uh, a large national announcement that's going to take place. So I'm excited about rolling that out. Perfect. That's awesome. And, and I'll make sure to include all the information in our show notes. So when our audience listens to this episode, they know where to find you. And, and Mike, I just want to say thank you for hopping on and coming on to the show today. Thanks, Trevor. I appreciate it. Best of luck to you and all your listeners. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. For full show notes on today's episode, go to podcastingyou.com. That's podcastingyou.com. If you have feedback from today's episode, feel free to email us at trevor at podcastingyou.com. Thanks for listening.